What is this life, if, full of care, we have no time to stand and stare? No time to stand beneath the boughs and stare as long as sheep and cows? No time to see when woods we pass, where squirrels hide their nuts in grass? No time to see in broad daylight, streams full of stars like skies at night? A poor life this is, if, full of care, we have no time to stand and stare. Welcome to the Being Leader podcast. I'm Annabelle Graham. This podcast is for those of you who are interested in leadership and coaching and also sort of want to figure out why you do what you do and and how you can be more effective in the different roles you inhabit in your life. In this podcast, we're going to look at reflection. Now, the verse I read at the beginning was an extract from the poem Leisure by W.H. Davies. And it was written over a hundred years ago. And it, you know, it's one of those poems that I learned at school along with many other people. However, the opening lines are ones that keep coming back to me more and more over the last few years and seem a reflection more on our modern life so much more than they ever did back in 1911. Back then, as now, we're in a period of flux. In the early 1900s, the old eras of Victorian and Edwardian life were being overturned around the world with war, revolution, the start of emancipation in transport, media and the arts. And by the time when they hit the 1920s, the world was unrecognisable from the one that had started in 1910. And older generations really started to hanker after the old ways as change marched on and led us firmly into the 20th, 2nd and 3rd Industrial Revolutions. Do some of those themes sound familiar? And we're currently in a similar landscape as we'd never have imagined it. The older generations, you know, the baby boomers and Gen X are really thinking, you know, how different are millennials and Gen Z to me? And that third industrial revolution, the technology age is being prolonged. And the fourth industrial revolution, the information age, which we are just on the cusp of, is creating change and breakthroughs at an unprecedented pace. And we're seeing it across technology, science, culture, and numerous industries as they're disrupted. Because we're starting to come to terms with the fact that that exponential disruption is going to impact the way we all work. You know, and, and it makes me reflect on how similar the parallels are between the last century and this one in response to the ever-changing world around us. Now, I originally wrote a blog on this back three years ago in 2017. But as I'm recording this, it's now June 2020. And most of the world is just starting the early stages of emergence from coronavirus lockdown. We've had a massive jolt in how we work and live our lives. You know, for the last few months, millions of people are working online as never before. Organisations who said, oh, we can never work remotely have suddenly discovered that to- it's totally easy and everything still happens and people get on with stuff. You know, and let's hope it continues because it can really help our work-life balances. You know, it can help our productivity, it can be help our creativity, as well as, you know, being so much better for our ecosystem and society. Businesses have been disrupted beyond all imagination and some are never going to be the same again. As so many owners and business leaders are really beginning to grapple with how the hell they go about doing business now and what that looks like going forward. Social welfare, healthcare and essential services that keep our societies running have been appreciated in ways we probably haven't acknowledged since the last world wars. And communities have come together to keep their neighbours and those most in need safe. 
And millions of people have had their personal freedom curtailed in a way that they haven't seen in generations. You know, and that's been a real struggle for different ages in so many different ways. You know, the baby boomers may have found that they have to be conversant with technology that they've avoided. You know, finally, we got my mother online. She never wanted to do it, but within two or three weeks of lockdown, it happened. And, and Gen Z and Gen I have really learned what it's like to be bored and how creative that can be. You know, I was a child of the 70s and on a wet Sunday afternoon, you couldn't go anywhere and there was only about three channels on the TV. You know, so you had to make up your own games. You had to be imaginative and, and that creativity is massive. And I think the thing that people have, have felt most of all is that they've been separated from loved ones, from their family, from friends and colleagues. And that's really taken its toll in, in a multitude of ways. I mean, it's helped because, you know, people have used virtual, they've got online, um, family quizzes, Zoom chats have become the key thing. But, but that social connection we crave in one way or the other, and that's been a real challenge. So with all this change going on, and, and, and often so much faster than we needed it to be, how do we cope with it? Do we jump on board, embrace it, hang on tightly, and just keep on with the doing and the busy? Or do we pause? Do we take time to reflect on what, more importantly, what we value and, and actually start to look at things and say, is that still fit for purpose? You know, has it got an end life? When do you stand and stare? You know, because our lives are really busy and frenetic and always on. And actually, as humans, we aren't necessarily built to with information, technology and communication. You know, our brains are not meant for multitasking. As much as we think they are, actually, it does nothing from our memory um, and our focus and our concentration. And actually, it increases our level of stress. So reflection, that time when we can contemplate and think deeply about things is something that many of us just don't do. But it's crucial. It's crucial to all of us to take that time out, to step back and think about our actions, our impact, and actually what matters to us. Now, for some people like me, that reflective time is when I get out in nature, when I walk the dogs or go for a run. Um, because that's a really great headspace for me. It allows me to think about things. It allows me to create, be creative. Just being out in nature is really relaxing. But for others, you know, it might be having a bath, using colouring books, meditation, yoga, cycling, rambling. Or it could just be sitting quietly, taking time out, thinking. And, and also when we sleep, it's the only time our brain is at rest. And that's really important for our brain health because that's the time our brain starts to build new neural pathways um, and sort of regenerate and reconnect and store all of those things that we've, we've thought about during the day or we've come across during the day. And we gain new perspectives and insights. But this time out really allows us to optimize our brain. And that allows us to be more effective, more present, calmer, so if you want a really easy way to think about this and get into it, there's a book by a gentleman called Dr. Jack Lewis, um, which he wrote with Adrian Webster, who's a motivational speaker, and it's called Sort Your Brain Out. And it's a brilliant book. It's really easy to get into, and it deals with all that complexity of neuroscience in a very simple way and has loads of great top tips. But there's three tips which I think are really useful to think about. You know, how do we get our brain in the most optimised way? 
So the first bit is about drinking water. It helps us function properly because our brains are 73% water and they desperately need it. Students who drink a glass of water or are properly hydrated when they go into exams actually get better grades than those who don't because they can concentrate more, they can remember more. So that water is really important. Um, then there's exercise, at least 20 minutes a day in moderate and high because that enables endorphins to be released. And those endorphins improve our mood. They help with emotional regulation. They enable us to sort of calm down the cortisol and balance our stress function and help our brain function better. You know, that time out for activity is vital for our well-being and mental health. Um, so many clients, when I speak to them, and I say, you know, what does a great day look like? And they start with getting into the office. If I get them to dial it back and think about, you know, I've had plenty of sleep, I've got up and, you know, gone to a gym class, or I've gone for a run, or I just had a walk before I left, find actually they have a better day when they do that. So building that exercise in makes such a difference. And then finally, it's stress. You know, controlling cortisol manages stress. So just by taking time out a few times a day and breathing, you know, really focusing in on our breath and sitting quietly can help us self-regulate, can help us be calmer, can help us concentrate more. You know, if we've got a really important meeting or a difficult conversation to have with somebody, taking that time out and pausing and reflecting can be so, so useful. So I have a question for you. What is your stand and stare time? What's your reflective practice? When do you actually allow your brain that quiet time just to switch off and be? So if the answer is, you know, I don't really think I do, for the good of your brain, please consider how you can build that into your life. You know, when could you fit in some exercise? You know, maybe go for a walk, for a run, cycle, swim, go to the gym, whatever your preference may be, when could you fit that bit of exercise in? And if it's maybe not every day, you know, every other day, so it's regular. Could you maybe build in a little bit of mindfulness? Only maybe three or five minutes. And you know, or you could use an, an app like Calm or Headspace to just get you into that regular practice of really thinking. Or take time out at the end of each day and practice a hobby or write in a journal. Because that process of writing, of downloading, means it doesn't stay stuck in our head. We don't go over it again and again. And there's lots of studies that say that journal practice, that writing things down makes such a difference. Think about what can you do to help focus the brain, to calm it, to slow it down and allow us to be stiller and more balanced. Because when we do that, we'll find our mind starts to reflect a bit you know we'll wander a little bit but we'll reflect a bit and that will really help us because when we reflect we notice things about ourselves we become truly present and comfortable with how we are being we begin to notice who and how we interact with people a bit more and when we reflect we learn and in that learning we can start to notice change notice patterns think about what we need to do and learn and adapt to flourish in you know this brave new world that we're working in so if you think that idea of reflective practice might be something for you what does that look like well one way of creating a reflective practice 
is to keep a reflective diary. And a reflective diary is something which allows you to track your thoughts and reflections, to log actions and changes and, and sort of measure the impact of what you've done. And it also allows you to see patterns, which often when we think about things in the moment or consider things at the end of each day, we don't see. If you're thinking about doing that and about logging your thoughts, work out what's going to work for you. For some people, an old fashioned notebook works really well. For others, um, a phone or a tablet is a good way of doing it. Or they might want to record it, do it as a voice recorder. Whatever it is, choose how you're going to log these so that you can keep them and come back to them. And when you do log them, make a note by day or date so that you can review below. And it's really, really super simple. So for, say, two minutes at the end of each day, take two minutes out and ask yourself the following questions and note the answers down. What went well today? What could I have done differently? And what will I do differently tomorrow? So that's three questions, two minutes at the end of each day. Everyone's got two minutes. Then weekly, take a little bit longer. Take five, maybe 10 minutes out and see what the patterns are and the themes and actually see what's gone really well and celebrate success. You know, and think about what's gone well this week. What patterns do I see? And what impact have these patterns had? And what am I going to change next week? And note each time I ask you to start with what went well. We're so, so fast to look at what didn't go well. You know, we're great at kicking ourselves. So be your own cheerleader. Think about what went well first and then move it to, you know, what do I need to do differently? So it's two minutes each day five to 10 minutes at the end of each week. And then monthly, book this in your diary. Take 15 minutes. Go back and look at those weekly reflections and ask yourself the same questions. You know, what's gone well? The impact, what do I need to change? And then think about those successes and actually goals that you might want to set for the next month. And then on a quarterly basis, take half an hour. Every three months, sit back, review the last quarter. Look afresh at your reflections and make a note of maybe one to three things max that you're going to focus on for the next three months. And don't make it any more. You know, remember one small change that you embed is better than 15 small changes that you plan to do, none of which you ever got round to. Because that, that cumulative effect, those marginal gains make a difference. So focus on one thing until you've mastered it and then move on. And by taking that two minutes daily, five minutes weekly, 15 minutes monthly and 30 minutes quarterly, you'll begin to make that reflective practice a habit. And that'll enable you to see those patterns, those productive patterns that really help you, but also maybe those that you need to ad adapt. And that will allow you to keep your focus and enable change that you want and your life will be richer for it. You know, so as we sit here now looking ahead for the rest of the year and, you know, maybe the coming two or three years or even the decade that awaits, what do you want it to bring? If you stood in 12 months time or five years time or even in 2030 and looked back, what will you have achieved? What was and is your purpose and have you done what you wanted to do? 
What intention do you need to set to make your purpose happen? And how will that shape your tomorrow? And remember, you know, you don't have to set yourself a goal that you strive towards and something that you tick off and do. It could just be an intention. It could be a way of being. It could be, I want to be happier. I want to be calmer. I want to be nicer to people. It could be that simple. You know, and think about that intention piece is really important. And there's a lovely quote, and it's by a classical conductor called Benjamin Zander and his wife, Rosamund Zander. And it goes like this. In the measurement world, you set a goal and strive for it. In the universe of possibility, you set the context and let life unfold. Now, I love that. So let's be in that world of possibility. So thank you for listening to The Being Leaders today. And join us again to think about behaviours and what goes on around us. And also the first set of dialogues with coaches around being. So we'll have those coming to you soon. Thanks for listening to The Being Leader.